Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez with an S, and Liberty is making a comeback. That's right, Liberty is making a comeback. I am your liberty-loving Latino amigo, known to my fellow Levinites as Mr. Call Screener, sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, from Mark's New York City affiliate, WABC. And that's where I hosted This Is America podcast. Again, you're listening to The Mark Levin Show, and I am honored to be with Mark's great audience, and to, I look forward to speaking with you guys. Our phone number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, if you're a lib. Now... Liberty's making a comeback. Freedom is back in fashion. I want you to pull up a chair and join me for the next three hours. These are the best three hours in conservative talk radio. The phone lines are going to be open in a little bit. But I want to look at some of the news that happened over the, few, the last couple of days. The Wisconsin Supreme Court, just a few days ago, they ruled that the stay-at-home orders were not lawful because the legislature wasn't involved in extending them. Well, amen and hallelujah to that. This led to people bellying up to the bar and making a toast to liberty all over the state. So that's something I'll drink to. Salute. Then we saw in New York City with the mayor's announcement that cops are no longer going to be ticketing and arresting people for not wearing masks. Liberty is making a comeback. And just yesterday, we heard about the New Jersey gym where members in masks rallied to get in and exercise, and then the cops showed up to inform them that they were in violation of an executive order, a stay-at-home order. And they kindly said, before they left peacefully, excuse me, peacefully, or peaceably, however you like, have a nice day. The cops stepped off. Now, not totally, the government's still coming at them, but we're going to get into that in a little bit. Then there's the 77-year-old barber in Michigan. Now, I really relate to this uh, barber named Menke in Michigan because many of you don't know, unless you listen to the This Is America podcast, that I was a barber. I spent many years as a barber, and I'm, I'm kind of like a barber in retirement. I opened a shop when I was 16 years old. I was still in high school, so I had to finish my senior year at night to get my uh, high school diploma so I could go to school in the daytime to learn how to be a barber and get the permit and all of that, and run my small business. I could only do that because I live in America and because I drank the Kool-Aid that my parents gave me, right? And I don't mean literally, but they taught me that I could do all things. My dad would tell me in his, uh, you know, thick Puerto Rican accent, you can do anything if you put your mind to it, Richard. And I would say, yes, sir. So that's the truth. We can do all things. This is America, and liberty is making a comeback. So I salute Mr. Mankey, the barber in Michigan, 
And we're going to get to that, too, because there's a lot going on with that that's developing. But I am just a kid from Brooklyn with parents born in Puerto Rico that taught me how to work hard and be an American. The theme here is that we have to believe in ourselves and our country to know that we can, to not be afraid. This barber that I'm referring to, the 77-year-old man that's refusing stay-at-home orders in Michigan, he wasn't afraid to stand up. Shelley Luther in Texas, she wasn't afraid to stand up. We can't be afraid to stand up for our rights. We can't be afraid to fight for our freedom. We can't be afraid to rise up and protect America. So we can pass on the liberties and traditions that we've enjoyed to our children, to offer our children and our children's children and future generations a better America than we enjoyed. Just like my mommy and my papi and my abuelita did for me, your families have done for you and your future generations. Those that worship at the altar of big government are being reminded by patriots who haven't forgotten our liberty comes from God and not from the government. So I applaud all of my fellow Americans who haven't forgotten that. Because you know what this does for all of us? At least you know what it tells me? It tells me that we must be of good courage. We must take risks. We must not relent to tyranny. Because Americans are brave. As Americans... We have to take hold of our liberty, and we're doing that right now. And we must never let it go from our grasp, ever. Power must remain with we the people. If not, we lose. Our rights are natural rights, God-given rights. They come from God, not any government, not local, state, or federal. So when I say to you that American liberty is making a comeback, that's exactly what's happening. This is a renaissance period here in America. We're seeing things. The coronavirus is like sandpaper. And sandpaper is a little rough to the wood at times when you have to sand something down. But if you sand it enough and use the right grit, it starts to bring out the smoothness of the wood. And right now, America, we're going through some grit. And those that have grit are going to get through. American liberty is making a comeback, and we're just getting started. Again, our phone number is 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. I want you to keep it locked right here because straight ahead, we're going to be getting into the just declassified Obamagate email from Susan Rice, the 2020 elections, your phone calls, and what did Joe Biden know and when did he forget it? I'm Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on Twitter. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin.
At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith, and their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion? All students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on Twitter. Our telephone number here, 1-877-381-3811, 1-877-381-3811. So check it out. I promised you breaking news. Now, this afternoon, just a couple hours ago, I was uh, in the newsroom. We were prepping for the show. I was there with Mr. Producer, and we saw a tweet come through from Kimberly Strassel, Wall Street Journal, saying that it's been declassified just yesterday. Members of Congress are calling for this Susan Rice email that was partially uh, redacted to become declassified and ask and ye shall receive. It was declassified today. And shortly after that, Catherine Herridge from CBS News had a little bit of it. But the intrepid Sean Davis from The Federalist uh, has a really good piece on it. And to steal a page from The Great One's playbook, I'm going to read it to you because I really think he said it better than any of us could have. Check this out. So, um... This is a breaking declassified Susan Rice email confirms that Michael Flynn was personally targeted in the Oval Office meeting. Now, this is regarding the newly classified portions of uh, Susan Rice's email confirming that he was this target. Michael Flynn was personally targeted during a crucial January 5th, 2017 Oval Office meeting arranged by then President Barack Obama. A newly declassified document shows. Now, this revelation of the January 20th meeting is coming now that the president's putting pressure on it. It's coming now that Durham's been looking into things. So lots of things are happening, and we have to also give a big hat tip to Sidney Powell because she's been doing a lot of heavy lifting here. But January 20th, as President Trump was being inaugurated, former White House National Security Advisor Susan Rice sent herself a bizarre email detailing the January 5th meeting between her, Obama, and then-Vice President Joe Biden then Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates, and fired former FBI uh, Director James Comey. In the email, portions of which were not declassified until today, Rice recorded uh, that Flynn, who at the time was the incoming National Security Advisor for Trump, was personally discussed and targeted during the meeting with Obama. Davis goes on. From a national security perspective... This is a quote from the president. President Obama said he wants to be sure that as we engage with the incoming team, we're mindful to ascertain if there are any reasons we cannot share information fully as it relates to Russia. And that's another quote. At the time, the Obama administration was actively spying on members of the Trump team as part of its crossfire hurricane investigation against Trump and the Trump campaign. Another quote. 
from the uh, email. Comey says he does not excuse me. Comey says he does have some concerns that incoming NSA Flynn is speaking frequently with Russian ambassador Kislyak. Rice wrote in a portion of the email that was only recently declassified. Comey said that this could be an issue as it relates to sharing sensitive information. End quote. It goes on. President Obama asked if Comey was saying that the National Security Council should not pass sensitive information related to Russia on to Flynn. Rice continued. Comey replied, quote, potentially. Comey added that he has no indication thus far that Flynn has passed classified information to Kislyak. But he noted that the level of communication is unusual. And that's a quote from Comey per Susan Rice's email. The email didn't explain how it would be, quote, unusual for an incoming national security advisor to converse with foreign leaders ahead of a new president's inauguration. Many observers believe that the calls between Flynn and Kislyak were little more than pretext to hide the Obama administration's spy campaign against Trump from the newly elected president's team and to justify a continued inquisition against Flynn. The newly declassified portions of the January 5th Rice email confirm that the targeting of Flynn was coordinated with the inner sanctum of the White House and that both Obama and Biden were deeply involved in the campaign to take down Flynn. Documents previously released and declassified showed that the FBI never possessed any evidence that Flynn was a secret Russian agent or that he had broken any laws. An FBI electronic communication closing the agency's counterintelligence investigation against him, which was dated January 4th, made clear that no derogatory information about Flynn had ever been obtained during the months-long investigation against him or of him. Now, the Department of Justice recently determined that an ambush FBI interview of Flynn, which later, conf- uh, excuse me, which later became the foundation for former special counsel Mueller's single charge against Flynn, had no legal basis. Contemporaneous handwritten notes from the FBI's top counterintelligence official at the showtime, or at the time, excuse me, show that, I'm thinking like a radio guy, showtime, that the FBI's goal in targeting Flynn in early 2017 was to prosecute him or get him fired. Now this we know as of last week or the week before. The DOJ is currently in the process of dismissing all charges against Flynn, citing that the corruption and the rank abuse of power in the FBI was just out of control and all focused on Flynn. And it goes on to really just make the case here that this was all a setup, but now we know. We, we have further indication. We know some of the more, we know a few more of the puzzle pieces around what the deal was with the January 5th meeting. Now, this is interesting stuff because we've heard recently We've heard the president call for Obama to be looked at and imprisoned. We've heard Mark Levin say that if this is all true and this has all happened under Obama's watch with him being at the uh, genesis of it, that he should also be imprisoned. And of course, I would agree with that. It makes sense. But how do we get the rule breakers when they're the guys who made the rules and they know exactly how to break them? And this is really, I think, where it becomes a real challenge because Durham's doing this work. He's looking to get the bad guys, which may include 
bad, nefarious activity from President Obama. But what do we do when Attorney General Barr comes and says a while back in April of uh, 2019 that he does believe that spying occurred? So you're not you're not suggesting, though, that spying occurred. I don't. uh, Well, uh, I guess you could. I, I think there was spying did occur. Yes, I think spying did occur. Well, let me. But the uh, question is whether it was predicated, adequately predicated. And I'm not suggesting it wasn't adequately predicated, but I'd need to explore that. I think it's my obligation. Congress is usually very concerned about intelligence agencies and law enforcement agencies staying in their proper lane. And I want to make sure that happened. We have a lot of rules about that. So there are lots of rules to it. And were these rules broken? That's what we need to know. And again, that was Barr last spring, over a year ago. Now, this week, he continues with, uh, this was yesterday, I think, day before yesterday. Check this out, cut four. Now, what happened to the president, and I've said this many times, what happened to the president in the 2016 election and throughout the first two years of his administration was abhorrent. It was a grave injustice, and it was unprecedented in American history. The law enforcement and intelligence apparatus of this country were involved in advancing a false and utterly baseless Russian collusion narrative against the president. The proper investigative and prosecutive standards of the Department of Justice were abused, in my view, in order to reach a particular result. We saw two different standards of justice emerge, one that applied to President Trump and his associates, and the other that applied to everybody else. We can't allow this ever to happen again. So what is it that justice looks like in this scenario? Well, I think he goes on. Check this out. Cut five. Now, as to President Obama and Vice President Biden, whatever their level of involvement, Based on the information I have today, I don't expect Mr. Durham's work will lead to a criminal investigation of either man. Our concern over potential criminality is focused on others. Okay, so Barr is focused on others, meaning that there's no criminal investigation looking at uh, Obama or Biden. Now, he said that at that time. So is that a key word? Also... If not criminal investigation, what other type of justice is available? All of that when we come back. I'm Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on Twitter. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the 
essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. This is America's Constitutional Convention. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now. 877-381-3811. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on Twitter. Our telephone number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. And can a former president be held accountable for their actions after they've left office? Now, I've heard a lot of uh, talk about this going back and forth and different things. Uh, some people have told me, oh, you could strip them of their presidency. Oh, well, you could do this and you could do that. And I think a lot of that stuff has no foundation in the facts. It just doesn't. But there's questions around impeachment. And back in, I don't know, I guess it was last year sometime, you know, there was a congressman from Florida, a good friend of the program, Congressman Matt Gates who made an interesting comment in a tweet. And we're going to delve into the world of constitutional theories. And, of course, that's not my expertise. That's the great one, Mark Levin's expertise. So uh, as a disclaimer and a caveat, you know, this is me, not him. But I will say it's an interesting area of scholarship that many have uh, kind of tossed around. So I'm looking at a Washington Post piece from December 6th of 2019. And Representative Gates says, quote, you actually can impeach a former president. So I said, let me take a look at this. Now, Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution says, the president, the vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. And it goes on. But I wanted to get the analysis from the scholars. So they spoke with several of them. I'm not going to get them all. But I want you to check this out because I think it's a really interesting angle on what Gates said last uh, December. Check this out. This is Keith Whittington, a professor of politics at Princeton University. Quote, I don't think there's clear academic consensus on the question. The constitutional text and history doesn't provide much in terms of guidance and clarity on this issue as we might prefer. On the whole, I'm persuaded that so-called late impeachments of former officers is within the bounds of the Constitution, but are highly disfavored in our constitutional practice and would only be appropriate in an extreme case. Hmm. He goes on. Several early state constitutions explicitly provided for the possibility of impeaching officers for a period of time after they left office. And such impeachments seem to have been understood as within the impeachment power as derived from the English parliamentary practice. When the Constitution gives the House of Representatives the sole power of impeachment, that plausibly includes former federal officers. The possibility of condemning a public servant for their public conduct 
while being a government official or former government official through the official impeachment process and disqualifying him or her from holding any future office of trust through the conviction still seems to be within the authority of the House and the Senate. Again, that's Keith Whittington uh, from Princeton University. Now, I found that to be really interesting. But I said, hey, one professor and that's his opinion. Big whoop. So there's a few more in here. And there's a couple of yays and a couple of nays. But I want to read you the ones I found interesting. This is Akil Reed. Uh, excuse me, Akil Reed Amar. Renowned professor of law at Yale University. He's the author of America's Constitution, a biography. And in a nutshell, he says, yes, I believe that former officers are indeed impeachable. Interesting. That's two. So his uh, bottom line verdict, it's not only possible, but possibly necessary to impeach former officers or former presidents at times. Then we go to Ilya Soman. Professor Soman is a professor of law at George Mason University. Now, she says, this is an unsolved question in which there are plausible arguments both ways. He said, there's been a debate and it's been going on way back into the 18th and 19th centuries. Let's say Congress impeached and convicted a former office holder and then went to court to challenge the move. And when I say they went to court to challenge the move, the ruling in the case could settle the question once and for all. The courts could also kick the case back to Congress, which would make it clear that it's a decision for lawmakers and not judges. The professor adds, my personal opinion is probably it could be, Im- uh, could be permissible to impeach someone who's out of office for the purpose of prohibiting them from having future office. I guess the counter argument to that would be if it's a president that served both terms, they would say, well, they're also prohibited by term limits, you know, based on the Constitution. So it is an interesting debate. So if there's a lawyer out there or a judge you want to call and give us a fake name, I'd love to hear your theory on that. And yeah, I said that because I get it all the time. They're like, hey, my name's Jack. I work in D.C., but I want to go on as Bill from Norfolk, Virginia. You know, I I get it all the time because these guys don't want to get in trouble. The, the deep staters will come and get them. And there's one more opinion in here, and it's Professor Frank Bowman, University of Missouri School of Law. His answer is maybe, but the courts would have to give guidance. It's unknowable. It's not a crazy claim. At the end of the Clinton administration, when he, was issued, when he issued these horrible pardons, this professor was uh, incredibly ticked off about that and started to write a law review article about about impeaching him after the fact uh, again. <laughs> so I find that to be interesting as well. So what I want to know from you guys, I want to hear from your thoughts on everything we've discussed so far. I, I want to know, do you think we could impeach a former president? And when Attorney General Barr says that there's no criminal investigation into Obama or Biden, does that mean there's potential for impeachment. Hmm. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Not saying that's a thing. But let's, uh, let's take some calls. I want to hear from each of you. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Let's go to Elise in New Jersey. What's going on, Elise? How are you? Okay. Hello? Yeah, what's on your mind? 
Hi, Rich. How are you? I'm doing great. Good, good. Um, I heard about that impeachment thing, too. Um, but my question to you is a little different. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, what's going on right now with the lockdown, do you think this is a wake-up call to some people who have always um, voted Democrat, but now who have owned businesses? And do you think it's waking them up? Do you think it'll affect our election? Well, I think irrespective of the election, I think right now we're seeing people that are getting together and they're saying, you know what, we're you know, I'm going to talk about the barbershop stuff a little more because, like I mentioned, I was a barber in a past life. But, yes, absolutely. I think a lot of people are saying, you know what, this stuff is wrong. And too many people don't realize that politics is involved in every aspect of what we do every single day. And people like to write it off, say, oh, I don't like to get involved in politics. I'm one of those people that thinks it's involved in everything. Every last thing you do. Your commute to work has everything to do with the politics. There's tolls, there's traffic, all of that stuff is political. And if you don't believe me, there was a story called Bridgegate, right? I mean, this is the real deal. Everything is politicized in this day and age. And maybe it was a long time ago as well. I don't know. But what I can say is, yeah, absolutely. I think people are waking up and they're realizing we don't want to be subservient to the government. And as such, we're going to rise up and say enough is enough. Yeah, basta. <laughs> Thanks, Elise. I appreciate your call. Uh, I also want to move over to um, not to Connecticut yet because I want to talk about that first. But let's go to uh, E. Frank in Queens. E. Frank, what's on your mind, brother? Go for it, E. Frank. You're on. Good afternoon, Rich. Uh, I'm glad to speak to you again. You know, it's I, your pleasure. Uh, yeah, I would like to say I've met you three times in my life. Uh, first, you're a lucky is, guy. Yeah, first is when you were teaching me a lesson not to hit girls like Kimberly and Allison, and you were throwing a, a tennis ball at 60 miles an hour in my uh, uncle's backyard. So here's what happens. Sometimes, every now and again, you get people that go off their meds. And when you have people that go off of their meds, they, they act differently. They have these emotional outbursts. I don't, I've never met E. Frank other than several conversations on the phone. But these are called delusions. And every now and again, you get delusional people that call talk radio. And, hey, that's all right. I get it. Some of the people in politics are delusional, you know. But we'll keep it moving. Um, I want to move to my brother, Jimmy from Brooklyn. Jimmy is an expert in all things. He can spot a commie coming from a bush in Sarajevo. What's going on, brother? That's right. Listen to this. 1968, the Soviet military invaded Czechoslovakia. Okay, so the Soviets invade Czechoslovakia in 68. The Soviet communist parties in other Western countries were allowed to denounce the Soviet invasion of Czechoslovakia. So it looks like these communist parties are separate. But Jimmy, let me jump in, because you you are an expert in all things, and I love the story, but I want to really focus on what we've been talking about. And I know that you see the writing on the wall here. I know that you know that these police state tactics that Obama and Biden used to get at their enemies, this is commonplace KGB. True or false? Exactly. And here you got the, the, the Democrats who've been working with the communist front groups for 60 or 70 years get a dossier from Russian intelligence to make Trump look like he's colluding with Russia. 
Mm-hmm. The, among the communist movement, the communists, when they, as I said, when they invaded Czechoslovakia in 1968, other communist parties were allowed to denounce the Soviet invasion, even though they were also the Soviets. Mm. So this is a massive confusion here. You've got James Comey and uh, John Brennan, the head of the FBI, head of the CIA, who have communism in their background, in their own writings. So you've got the radical left using a dossier from a Putin to make it look like the, the Republicans are the ones who are traders working with Russia. You know, you're right, and it's a shame that we have Brennan. Brennan is a guy that's born in North Bergen, New Jersey. That's where I went to high school. And, and it's a shame that I have that kinship with him and that he was uh, – what's his name? Gus Hall? Am I getting that right? Gus Hall, right. Yeah, Gus Hall, who he supported party. Gus Hall and uh, literally a Communist Party candidate that ran for public office and Brennan supports him publicly and still ends up becoming our CIA director. I find that incredible. James Comey is the same way. His past is just as bad, maybe even worse. James Comey, it should be called James Comey. So you get all these, you get the you get the Marxist Democrat Party, who's been hard left. A lot of them supported the enemy during the Vietnam War. A lot of them supported the Soviets during the Cold War. Now they collude with Russian intelligence with this dossier to put the fear and the the the, the danger looking like it's coming from Trump when it's them. So this is like another... Well, and that's the projection that we always see happening. I think, you like always, you nail it on the head, Jimmy. We appreciate it. Uh, we're going to be getting to a couple of more things on the other side of the break. We have uh, some AOC audio that you need to hear because she had a debate last night that nobody's talking about because she doesn't matter that much. But we've got that. We've got a little bit of uh, back and forth with Trump and Pelosi and a few more things coming up. And I want to get back to the stuff that's going on in New Jersey and with these barbers and salon owners, because I think that's just the tip of the spear. But again, you're listening to The Mark Levin Show. Our telephone number is 877-381-3811. I'm at Rich Valdez on Twitter, and we'll be right back. Mark Levin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. All right, America, I'm still Rich Valdez. I hope you're still with us. We're at 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now, the president has minced no words on his thoughts. He, he told Maria Bartiromo the other day, he said, I think they should be in jail. 
They should be in jail. And my Trump impression's not that great, but I do love the president. I support him 100%. Um, and I agree with him. I agree that these guys have wronged, not Trump, not Trump. They've wronged me, we the people, our country, our systems, like the Justice Department, our, our institutions, some of the most respected ones that we're supposed to have some faith in. But check out what Trump had to say yesterday. Listen to this. Disappointed if there is no criminal investigation of Biden. Or I don't think disappointed or not, but I have no doubt that they were uh, involved in this uh, hoax, one of the worst things ever to befall uh, this country in terms of political scandal. I have absolutely no doubt that Obama and Biden were involved. And uh, as to whether or not it was criminal, I would think it would be a very serious very, very serious. Uh, it was a uh, takedown of a president, regardless of me. It happened to be me. And in my opinion, it was an illegal takedown. And uh, But I'm going to let the attorney general make all of those decisions. I've stayed out of it because it's the appropriate thing to do. I wouldn't have to stay out of it, as you know, but I've decided to stay out of it. Isn't our president a real class act? I mean, really, when, when, he, when he gets to it, he says, look, we all know how he feels. We feel the same way, right? So many of us are ready for, for torches and pitchforks. But when it comes down to it, with a hostile member of the fake news, are you disappointed or you're not? He says, look, it's not about me being disappointed or not. I think it's wrong. And Barr's going to do what Barr's going to do. He's the attorney general. Now, I, I respect that, well, even if I take exception to it, right? Even if I take exception to the fact that you have these political actors and law enforcement people and intelligence community people that have prostituted their jobs, their function, and our trust just been sold. They've sold their souls. And for what? But let's hit the phones. 877-381-3811. Uh, let's go to Angel in Iowa. What's going on, Angel? Hey, buddy. You're on live. Hello? Angel in Iowa. Oh, Angel. Hey, I'm a girl. Yeah, Angel in Iowa. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. I completely agree with you, and I wanted to say that ever since we heard um, I mean, um, Biden talking about firing the prosecutor and all that, I've been asking my husband, like, just because he's not the vice president anymore, doesn't that mean that he could still get in trouble for it? Yeah, I'm with you. He should. He should. That's like that's a, a fine a felony. I mean, if, you, if to say the least, if any one of us were ever to do that to a president and then now he's running for president. Yeah, as if that video wasn't damning enough. Right. OK, now Obama's involved in it, too. So, hell, yeah, I think they should go and get him and uh, everybody should have a sit down and in court and find out what exactly everybody what laws they broke. I agree, Angel. I thank you for your call. Again, I'm Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S on Twitter. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, America, 
I am Rich Valdez with an S. Welcome back. I am your liberty-loving Latino amigo, known to you all as Mr. Call Screener. I'm sitting in for the great one tonight. We're 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, and I'm broadcasting from WABC. Now, our phone number for The Mark Levin Show, 1-877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. It's always an honor for me when the great one, Mark Levin, taps me on the shoulder and says, tag, you're it. So I get to be here with you guys for these three wonderful hours, the best three hours in talk radio, and one of them's already down. For everybody that's joining the program in the central part of the country and closer to the West Coast, welcome to the program. Again, our phone number, 877-381-3811. And some are arguing that we need to return to FDR-style policies, police state tactics, strong-arm tactics. Now, for those of you that are students of history or regular listeners to The Mark Levin Show, you know that FDR was not a gem. He weaponized the IRS against his political foes. Maybe that's where Obama learned these uh, Chicago Daily-style tricks. I don't know. But I do know that President Obama has a history of doing that. And we're going to talk about that as this continues to unfold. But speaking of fascism and fascist-like individuals... Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, got into it today with none other than El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th President of the United States, Donald Trump. And I found it to be entertaining, the the back and forth, but at the same time, it's disheartening that she's so damn rude. Man. But the beef is over. The President taking hydroxychloroquine, excuse me, hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic. Here's what Speaker Pelosi had to say. As far as the president is concerned, um, the, uh, our, he's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been approved uh, by the scientist, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group, what is morbidly obese, they say. So I, I, uh, I, I think it's not a good idea. Hold up, wait a minute. Por favor. Tell me she didn't just say that. Yes, she did. She took a shot. Now, listen, I take a fat joke just like anybody else. But the reality is I've got un par de libras de más. I've got a couple extra pounds. I'm a little bit rotund. Now, the president's a big dude. I wouldn't consider him fat, but I know those that hate him, they like to say he's fat. And is that really the position that she needs to take? This woman known to so many loyal listeners here as Stretch, she needs to take shots at the president over a a grave health concern and take a a pot shot at the same time? I think it's, it's reprehensible that the Speaker of the House, you know, I mean, she, not only is she a political foe, but then she becomes just like a grade school bully. And guess what? Trump can rock with the best of them. When it comes to schoolyard politics, he's not gonna shy away from that. He's El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of the United States. Listen to what he had to say in return. General Flynn was treated horribly. General Flynn was treated illegally. These people, they broke the law. They broke the law. What they've done to General Flynn should never happen. What they've done to the presidency and what they've done to this country can never be allowed to happen again to our country. And despite all of that, has been done. Everything that's been done, 
We've had one of the greatest presidencies ever. We have never, I don't think anybody, Mitch, I think we can say it with the surety, nobody's accomplished what we've accomplished in a relatively short period of time, a three-year period of time. Nobody's been able to do that. When you look at rebuilding our military, regulations at a level that nobody's come close to, we've cut regulations, the biggest tax decrease in history. You look at all of the things that we've done, all of the things we've done on health care, with the individual mandate, with pre-existing conditions. Nobody's done anywhere close to what we've done. But despite that, if you look, despite an illegal witch hunt, and that's what it was, it was a hoax, it was a witch hunt. The Russian thing was a made-up, fabricated story, just like they went to Congresswoman Kelsey Gabbard. I don't know her at all. And they said, you're a Russian agent. I don't know her, but I know she's not a Russian agent. Then they went to Dr. Jill Stein of the Green Party. They said she's a Russian agent. I don't know her at all. I know she's not a Russian agent. These people are sick. Pelosi is a sick woman. She's got a lot of problems, a lot of mental problems. We're dealing with people that have to get their act together for the good of the country. So the president said a whole lot there, but that was the punchline. She's a sick woman. I love it. And I think he's right. I think there's something wrong with her. There's got to be something wrong with someone that is so power hungry and disrespectful at the same time when he didn't even provoke her. All he said was, yeah, I'm taking it. I've heard good things about the drug. Trump didn't have anything negative to say about it, but she still came. She came at him. She came for the neck and he responded as a gentleman. And he goes on to talk about hydroxychloroquine. Check this out. Hydroxychloroquine is used by thousands and thousands of frontline workers so that hopefully they don't catch this horrible disease or whatever you want to call it. Uh, It is uh, a terrible virus. It's a terrible thing. And a lot of people are taking it. A lot of doctors are taking it. A lot of people swear by it. It's gotten a, a bad reputation only because I'm promoting it. So I'm obviously a very bad promoter. If anybody else were promoting it, they'd say this is the greatest thing ever, but because of me. So a lot of doctors swear by it. I think we can say that, Mr. Secretary. So that's Trump. He says, hey, I've heard a lot of good things about it. You know, when I get upset and I argue with my brothers about politics and they start to say, yeah, but it's a global thing and it's this. And I tell them, what do I care? A mi que me importa. What do I care? That has no significance to me. And honestly, of course, he's the president, but he's entitled to his own health. He's entitled to take care of himself and do what he believes is right, what the White House physician believes is right. So I think they're so off base here. I mean, again, literally, it's like he has this available to him. Damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. And she's not the only one. Of course, uh, her pal, Schmucky Chucky Schumer, listen to this. It's reckless to tell people he's using hydrochloroquine. Uh, All the experts say, at best, it doesn't help. So what about senior citizens who don't go to the doctor who take hydrochloroquine listening to the president? And at worst, it hurts you. So I don't know why he did it. Maybe he has family or friends who own part of the company. It's not unlike this president. Someone at Mar-a-Lago or someone on the phone tells him, oh, this is a good company, and he just talks about it. Maybe he did it um, to divert attention from all 
all the bad things happening. And maybe he's just lying. Um, this president doesn't tell the truth. He may be taking this. He may not. What he does is whatever suits his ego at the moment and he thinks might help him, he does. And then it hurts the country. And as you said, hurts him. Say what? He just said a whole lot of words and it was a whole lot of nothing. Now, Mr. Schumer, who I just insulted, is somebody that we grew up respecting. He, his congressional office was n- not far from where we lived on Kings Highway, or his campaign office. And my mother always taught us when we were little kids, you know, there's Mr. Schumer. And he was helpful in, in some regards as a community person. And he's not somebody that I want to call out because I just don't like him. He's somebody that I call out because look at what he just said. Chuck Schumer just said a whole lot of words to basically say, what if a senior, what if a senior takes this pill because they heard the president? Well, first of all, if the senior has access to the pill, your question presumes that they have a prescription for it. So either they've had malaria or they've had lupus or one of the other things it it uses, uh, it's treated for. So. Again, I say to myself, what do I, can I go to CVS and just buy it? Can I go down to Dwayne Reed and cop me a few hydroxychloroquines? I don't think that works that way. So, I mean, Chuck Schumer is really just creating a false narrative for the sake of what? Taking shots at the president. That's what he does. He's no longer a lawmaker. He's like a jester, a court jester. He's just there to make jokes. And I think it's, it's not cool. But that's where we are. So... I promised you guys I was going to take your calls, and I'm going to. Our phone number, 1-800-848, excuse me, 1-877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Let's go to uh, Adrian in, uh, is that the San Fernando Valley? You're on, Adrian. How are you, sir? Welcome to the program. Fine, thank you. Fine, thank you. Good. Yes. Uh, may I? Yes, please. Yes. Uh, about the people saying that uh, you could not prosecute pr- uh, President Obama after he's left office, worked on the wrong assumption that uh, his liability ends when he runs out of office uh, as a president because he could be precluded from getting any other federal job once he's convicted of uh, treason or or murder or whatever it is. So that's a false assumption. That's that's false. The other is many crimes, certain crimes, there is no statute of limitation. So it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant whether he's in office or out of office. Let's say they discover, you know, Two years later, he murdered somebody, and they put a case together and say he, he shouldn't be getting a pension. He did it on the job, let's say. Uh, should he be free to not be uh, lose his, uh, whatever his, uh, his uh, insurance or his uh, Right, or his Secret Service protection or any of the other benefits he has as a former all president. Are baloney, they're all baloney false, uh, false arguments. Right, so you are of the agreement with some of the scholars that I, I quoted earlier saying that, yes, he can be impeached after the fact. That's right. Yes, I, I don't see why not. The only issue would be what would be the right uh, venue for it. If, let's say if they want that, they could impeach. I think they can impeach him because it's a high crime and it's a misdemeanor, or a high crime or a misdemeanor, like treason. Right. Let's say it ends when he leaves office. Nothing says that. Well, and then again, speaking politically for a moment, let's say they bring, you know, let's say the Republicans take the House and they say, you know what, we're going to impeach Obama. And they file articles of, of impeachment against Obama. And just like Jackson and just like uh, uh, Johnson, I mean, and, and excluding Nixon and uh, with Trump and with Clinton, 
Nothing happens. There's no conviction in the Senate. So, yes, there's an impeachment by the House. There's no conviction by the Senate. But the annals of history are forever changed with Barack Obama being impeached. Isn't that crazy? Yes, it is, sir. <laughs> well, I appreciate your call, Adrian. Thank you so much. Now, let's go to, uh, it's on the same vein. I guess we'll stick with that. Rich in Long Island, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez on the Mark Levin Show. Yeah, how you doing? Good, thank you. What's on your mind? Uh, oh, I, uh, I was back on hold. Okay, I, uh, I'd like to talk about uh, getting a trial, even if we tried, even if these people are indicted. Well, here, here's the thing. Trial. To get to an indictment, you need a charge, and you can't have a trial without that either. So what, what, what's the charge, and how are you going to get it? But the point is, even if there was a charge made where there is evidence, okay, we saw in the Flynn case both the jury and the judge bias. So you're never going to get a fair trial. It's better to leave these people just hanging with the shadow over them. Yeah, well, and, and again, that, that kind of supports the argument I just made of actually doing the impeachment once uh, Republicans have control because they would have control over who gets impeached and who doesn't. And it wouldn't be up to a judge. It would be a political process in the House. So, yeah, I appreciate that, Rich. We appreciate your call. Again, our phone number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811 if you want to argue with me. And I am Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S on Twitter. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez with an S. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. Our phone number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now, uh, right before the break, we were talking about the back and forth that President Trump had with Nancy Pelosi over the fact that he's taking hydroxychloroquine. Hmm. Not, not a bad idea if you're in the White House and a couple of people have gotten infected and you've got all this stuff that you're responsible for and so many people rely on you and your work. I think it's fair. But some don't. So we put that out there to the callers and we have some interesting responses there. So I want to go to Bonnie at the line four, Bonnie in Charleston, South Carolina. She's got a comment. And Bonnie, you're on with Rich on the Mark Levin Hi. Show. How are you? Hey, Rich. I'm a 73-year-old woman. I'm just kind of wondering why we were even paying attention 
to someone who has been injected with so much Botox <laughs> and implanted with so much plastic tell us what we can do with our bodies? You know, I think you bring up an excellent point, Bonnie, and I appreciate it. Big shout out to South Carolina. Now, and it makes me uh, wonder, um, why? Why on earth do we take her seriously? Let's go to Doc. Uh, Doc is on line two. He's calling from Jacksonville, Florida. Doc, you're on with Rich Valdez here on the Mark Levin Show. Hey, man. You know what? I'm Trump's number one African-American fan. And when I, when I hear people say things like what she just mentioned, I, I refer back to their liberal war chant, my body, my choice. It's his body, and it's his choice. Why are you worried about it? And second of all, there was a House rep, a Democrat House representative. She had the virus. And she took it because she was basically saying, hey, her lungs were, were, were given up. I and think I heard about that. And, and they took political action against her for, for saying it, was, it worked. Her name was Karen Whit- Whitsett. And they were mad because it worked. So, so, again, that's why anything he does, I, I tell you what, anything Trump, what Trump should have said is, hey, I tell you what. He should have said the exact opposite, and they will do the right thing and just wink at the people. We'll get it when Trump winks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Doc. We appreciate the call from Florida. And, and it brings up a really good point. Uh, my body, my choice. I think that's funny. You throw it right back in their face, and that's, that's what we always have to do. But the whole idea, you know, it makes me think, you know, I know that they're doing fever scans, checking temperatures as reporters come into the White House. And uh, Trump got into a little dust up with a reporter today. So we're going to hear about that in a minute. But when it comes to fever scans, are these things going to be the new normal? Like, did people give AIDS tests when AIDS was a huge pandemic epidemic that the country was facing? It was very contagious and whatnot. Nobody said, hey, here, take an AIDS test or take an STD test before there's a hookup. So it makes me think, hmm. What's all of this about? You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. I'm Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on Twitter, and we'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Liberty's Voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, a.k.a. Mr. Call Screener from The Mark Levin Show. And we're talking about Trump and hydroxychloroquine and the lack of couth that was displayed by Speaker Nancy Pelosi. But there are others that also lack couth. And one of those is a reporter that got into a dust-up with President Trump. Now, the president has rightly called fake news the enemy of the people because people that are spreading these fake news, lies, propaganda, aren't helping anybody to be a good American. Remember what I said, liberty is making a comeback. And he's proving it. Listen to President Trump. 
Mr. President, why haven't you announced a plan to get 36 million unemployed Americans back to work? You're overseeing historic economic despair. What's oh, the delay? Where's think, the plan? I think we've announced a plan. We're opening up our country. Just a rude person you are. We're opening up our country. <laughs> Hang on. I just want to say, man, he's great. Man, he is great. I've for so long, I've always wondered, why is it that politicians shy away from the challenge? Right. And that's why. And I think I read an article about it once. But long before I read the article, I said, you know, Donald Trump is truly America's first talk radio reality TV star president. But let's listen to the president. Very fast. Uh, The plan is that each state is opening and it's opening up uh, very effectively. And uh, when you see the numbers, I think. even you will be impressed, which is pretty hard to impress you. Yeah, go ahead, please. A lot of these dogs ahead, are not coming back. <laughs> that's enough of you. That That's enough. Get her out. Hey, I mean, he didn't do that. Obviously, it's the White House. But during the campaign, those things always, uh, they really, really got me, um, I'm going to say excited. Not tickling myself excited, but excited nonetheless. When somebody stands up to the media. I remember, you know, I've been a political observer for a long time. And I remember President Bush getting beat down by the media and he would just take it in stride and take this high road and I often think to myself this taking of the high road is it really worth not engaging with people to set the record straight and and I just honestly I, I I'm at a loss so I want to hear from you 877-381-3811 877-381-3811 let's go to line number five Calling from Wisconsin, David. What's up, David? You're on with Rich Valdez hey. on the Mark Levin Show. Thanks. Thanks for taking my call, Rich. You're doing a great job towing that heavy line for the great one. Thank you, sir. Really the the great speak. one has huge shoes, and I've been praying all day that I wake up with big feet. What's on your mind? Hey, we're, we're praying for you, too. The uh, calls have been very interesting. Sounds like you had Georgie Jessel on a little earlier. But, hey, I wanna, I'm one degree away from Trump, but that's a story for another time. The man is a, is a mensch. He's a regular guy. He talks to people like a regular guy, okay? Mark Levin, brilliant, own all his books except Black Robes, and he has in on Freedom of the Press something that I'd like to read to you. It's short. May I do that? You got this 15 really seconds. Deep. Okay. It, it goes on to says that nobody, it goes on, it's page 11. I am not owned, nobody owns me, I'm not owned by the left or the right. Indeed, the Commission on Freedom of the Press had specifically emphasized that the media must pay attention special attention to the difference between fact and opinion of equal importance with repertorial accuracy are the identification of fact as fact and opinion as opinion. Yeah, and I'm just going to pause you right there. It's, it's excellent what you're doing, but just for context for the audience, uh, you're, you're reading from Mark Levin's book on freedom of the press, and this is a part where he cites the Church Commission, and the Church Commission was assembled by Congress because we were there was questions about the validity of the press and the role of the press. And I think we're at that stage again where we're saying, hey, is the press doing what they need to do? David? Excellent. 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 It's exactly right. And we, the people, are not doing what we need to do. We need to step it up. Step it up a little bit. Barr said, you know, when there's an issue, let me quote him directly. He said, the Constitution is not suspended in times of crisis. That was the AG. Barr mm-hmm. said that. Okay? So all these wingnuts who incrementally got their positions because we weren't paying attention or people were stealing votes like they have been for so long were mongrels. 
They're not regular people. They don't belong. David, that is so well put. And let me tell you that when people tell me that we're not doing enough, that strikes a chord in the innermost part of me because, man, I always feel like, what are you doing? People tell me, oh, listen, on your show, you've got to say whatever. When I'm not guest hosting the Mark Levin Show for tens of millions of Americans to hear, I get to host a show on WABC Radio in New York City every Saturday. And we talk about lots of local topics, national topics, and uh, we also have the This Is America podcast. And people always hit me up and say, oh, you got to talk about this or you got to do that on your show. And I think to myself, I'm happy to talk about issues, but I can't be the one person or the one of 100 persons taking action. Everybody has to engage in activism at their own level. And that's what we saw at that gym yesterday. That's what we see with the barbers in Michigan, with the barbers even here in New York City. So uh, I know I'm getting tangential, but I think it's all interrelated and interconnected. And David, we thank you for the call. I really appreciate it because that to me is really where, where it's at. We need to step up collectively so that we can hold people accountable. But with that, I want to jump back to a topic that we were on before. And our friend Lou, she calls all the time. And I I love chatting with Lou. Lou in Ocala, Florida, WSKY. You're on with Rich Valdez on the Mark Levin Show. Hey, Rich. Great job. Thank you. Hey, listen, um, with all this malfeasance since 2016 that we've had to endure, from the weaponization of the entire intelligence community, FBI, everybody, Nancy and her fascism, all of it. Why hasn't anybody brought up in legal terms, legal terms, treason? Yeah, well, I think the reason is because treason is specifically defined as aiding and abetting a foreign enemy of the United States while we are in a declared war with them. And since we're not in a declared war, with the deep state and we're not in a declared war with so many anybody honestly at this moment in time it's it makes it uh implausible to use treason as as the um as the crime now to say it's treasonous that gets thrown around a lot but in in legal terms it just doesn't match the activity now seditious conspiracy that's another one that gets thrown around and i did a whole podcast on this with um with a couple of really uh, great guests. And I think it's worth listening to if you get a chance because it really explains the the whole process. But I think what we're seeing here and what A.G. Barr said on Monday was that when we see an abuse of power, it doesn't necessarily necessitate the violation of a federal statute or a federal crime. So I think we... We have to kind of lean on his guidance, and he could be misguided. I think that, you know, we, if we can prove everything that's happened, um, then of course, yeah, I mean, this this is, like Mark Levin always says, the, a soft coup. They tried to unseat uh, a president. However, they didn't do it with military might. That's why he calls it a soft or silent coup. Right. They didn't do a military overthrow. So those are the things that that make this such a unique situation that they use subversion and they actually use the law and an abuse of the law to achieve their result. Well, that's the problem why people are so frustrated is they feel there's not going to be any culpability for all of these people. No, I, I, I can't argue with you there. I mean, we have to be able to hold people accountable. We have to be able to write history accurately. The record has to be corrected. And I think these are all of the things that Barr is working on, but I think he didn't mince any words when he said that 
he didn't expect any criminal investigation going into Obama or Biden. And then I opened up the door to speculation, which I don't like to do because I don't have a crystal ball, nor am I a constitutional scholar like Mark Levin is. But I looked at some of the scholarship from several uh, law professors, as I read to you guys earlier, and it seems that that's the consensus. Yeah, there might be a, a way to if you can pull it off politically, what they did was political in nature. So we may be able to retaliate politically with an impeachment. So we'll have to see how that turns out, Lou. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so Uh, much. You got it, Lou. Nice to speak with you. All right. Let's go to Bruce. Bruce in St. Paul, Minnesota. You're on uh, line five and you're on with Rich Valdez. You're listening to the Mark Levin Show. Good, Good evening. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, go ahead. What's on your mind, Bruce? Uh, well, uh, I have a little different take on all of these people that are bent out of shape about uh, the president taking the uh, hydroxychloroquine. Uh, they, they are people who wish him ill. So could it be that they know they, uh, this hydroxychloroquine? You still with us? Are you still with us? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, the hydroxychloroquine, uh, they know it will keep him safe. And that's what, could that be what's driving them? I see what you're saying. So your, your thought is that they might be upset that he's using it prophylactically and like, damn, now he's not going to get coronavirus. Ah, it's yeah. interesting. And that would be really, really unfortunate because despite political differences, I don't want Nancy Pelosi to die. I don't want any political enemy to die. I don't want any human I know to die. I mean, we can have differences all day. I'm the first one that's always railing against any type of civil war because I don't believe that's what we're here to do. We're not here to kill our fellow man. But, yeah, Bruce, excellent point. Um, one worth thinking about. I appreciate your call. And uh, let's sneak one more call in. Robert in Brooklyn. What's going on, brother? Robert, go ahead. The floor Hello? is yours. Hi. How are you? Hi, Rich. Thank you for taking my call. Um what I wanted to just mention is that recently, um, Governor Cuomo, uh, he was wondering, like, well, why is there more people vulnerable at home than health care workers? And I was just thinking that the health care workers, because of his executive order, they're the only ones who have access to the hydroxychloroquine. People at home don't have access. So he's wondering why there's a difference, and he's thinking, well, maybe because people at home are not wearing PPE. You know, the genius doesn't even begin to think maybe his executive order not only caused the death of the people in nursing homes, but people at home are more vulnerable because they don't have access to hydroxychloroquine. Now, I you know, Robert, that was a bone of contention for me as well. Uh, I remember uh, reading about this executive order that limited the, the use of it for only people that were hospitalized and a lot of people that were, you know, medical professionals that had experience with the use of this drug said... The time to use it is before you get to the hospital, before you're in critical condition. That's when it works to help you and alleviate the symptoms and prevent you from getting sick any further. So I think you raise an interesting point. And I don't know if we can blame that on political malice. I would hope we can't. But I do think it it speaks to we need to be more open-minded. We need to be more business-focused. This is why having a president, the chief executive, that is a business-minded, entrepreneurial person is a benefit to the United States. And I think a lot of states would benefit to have those as their governors. Rich? Rich? Yes, sir. 
Rich, uh, one, I just have a, one other question. Do you think that the government should be able to force us to take vaccines, in your opinion? No, of course not. I mean, there's there's no reason for any for the government to force us to do almost anything. Right. The Constitution and all of our laws are limitations on the government for the most part from what we have as liberty. So I think we're witnessing an awakening right now, uh, an awakening of liberty, an awakening of freedom. And like I said earlier, America is grabbing its liberty and it's making a comeback. Robert, thank you for the call. Again, our phone number, 877-381-3811, I'm Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on Twitter, and you're listening to The Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on Twitter. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show and our phone number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now, we've got a lot of topics on the table and there's still some more to come. We're going to get into a little AOC and her debate yesterday. We uh, talked about Trump and his dust up with the media. We've talked about liberty making a comeback, hydroxychloroquine and a bunch of other things. And I want to talk about small business in the next segment. And there's a cut from Ned Lamont that I want you guys to hear because I really think he's just off the mark here. But um, listen to um, Connecticut Governor Ed Lamont. Have you calculated um, how many small businesses you think won't be able to ever kind of get back on their feet after this? I haven't calculated it, but I'm afraid um, there could be a sea change. Uh, we'll see whether people feel comfortable going back to restaurants. Uh, maybe there'll be more takeout. The world will change. I'm really uh, cautious about um, what we're going to do with colleges. A number of colleges around the country are saying um, no residential living next year, this uh, coming fall. Uh, we're trying to make sure that we don't have to have that happen. But I think you are going to see some fundamental changes. Okay, so, yeah, I agree there's probably going to be some fundamental changes. I don't know about fundamental. I don't like that word uh, because it's it has a sinister cynicism and connotation to it. But that's what's going on. And I want to know your thoughts about restaurants. I recently did a show about restaurants, and it was, the feedback was really interesting on both sides of the argument. And if you're in Connecticut, definitely give us a call. Or if you're in small business or work in the restaurant business or you're a small business owner, uh, I want to hear your thoughts. 877-381-3811. And let's go to line one. We've got Kimberly. She's been holding patiently. Thank you, Kimberly. She's in Connecticut. You're on with Rich Valdez on The Mark Levin Show. Hi. Hi. How are you? Welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hi. Well, I'm calling because I, um, I had a haircut appointment on Friday. But I learned yesterday that I am no longer um, able to pursue my life, liberty, or you know my pursuit of happiness here in Connecticut because my you know lawmakers are taking away everything from me. Um, I'm frustrated with Ned Lamont. Um, he's had a haircut. Um, <laughs> Alex Bernstein, you know my state senator, has had a haircut, but I haven't. But they're telling me I can't go get my hair cut. And I'm just at a breaking point with uh, my state. Um, and I'm, I'm very disappointed in the policies that 
that the government's pursuing here. Well, I, I definitely uh, appreciate your thoughts. And let me tell you, I think you couldn't be more right. This is what's exactly going wrong with this scenario. But it's at the same time when we flip that coin, this is exactly why liberty is making a comeback. Because people like you are saying, hey, you know what, Governor, it's not okay for you to go get a haircut when it's not okay for me to get a haircut. Now, okay, those of you who know what I look like, you know I have an incredible head of hair. So I take this haircut stuff very seriously. But being a barber, a uh, retired barber, I get it. I get it. And this isn't about barbering. This is about the real principle of do as I say, not as I do. And that is incredibly hypocritical. Thanks for the call, Kimberly. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. On the other side of this, we're going to get into AOC. We're going to get into small businesses. And Pete Hegseth is going to be with us regarding his new book. I'm Rich Valdez. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, America, welcome back. My name is Rich Valdez with an S. Some of you know me as Mr. Call Screener. I'm the host of This is America on WABC Radio, Mark's affiliate in New York City. And our telephone number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. And there are so many politicians out there right now that feel that we need to bounce back to the FDR policies. And I can't help but take exception to that because as a former business owner, I was a barber and I owned a cell phone place and I did a few things. And I, I can honestly tell you, the government is not on your side when you're in small business. I think the government oftentimes hinders small businesses. And this is not something that I just learned on my own as a small business owner, but history has taught us this, right? President Reagan spoke of this regularly. He talked about how fascism and liberalism would, would infect our country. And we're, this is going back into the 80s. You're talking about 30-plus years ago. But listen to President Ronald Reagan on this topic. You know, someone very profoundly once said many years ago that if fascism ever comes to America, it'll come in the name of, li of liberalism. And what is fascism? Fascism is private ownership, private enterprise, but total government control and regulation. Well, isn't this the liberal philosophy? The conservative, so-called, is the one that says less government, get off my back, get out of my pocket, and let me have more control of my own destiny. Amen to that, President Reagan. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's the reality. Get off my back and get out of my pocket. That's the reality of all of this. Small businesses are the backbone of the American economy. I mean, this is literally what everyone does. And it's not just the American economy. I think in, in many places, small business entrepreneurship is the lifeblood of so many, even small villages. I've been on trips to the Dominican Republic where I saw uh, people on the side of the road. You know, they shake a couple of trees, out falls a mango, out falls a coconut. They slice it up, they do whatever, boom, they're in business. 
And, and that's a, a cultural part of, of many ethnicities is to be entrepreneurial. Small businesses are under attack right now because of the policies that the FDR-loving Democrats in blue states are putting forward. It's killing America. It's not the virus. It's the response. This is what we saw yesterday on Fox News or in the morning. Fox, uh, Fox and Friends where uh, Pete Hegseth, the host of the show, was on um, – location with the owner of Attila's Bar, uh, excuse me, Attila's Bar, <laughs> I'm thinking the wrong way, Attila's Gym in Belmar, New Jersey. I mean, we, we saw a real display of patriotism where people said, you know what, enough is enough, liberty needs to make a comeback. Listen to this audio. We are and we're only here for everybody's safety today. We plan for the worst, hope for the best, and it seems like that's what we have out here today. Yeah. Normally, you are all in violation of the executive order. On that note, on that note, have a good day. Everybody be safe. Right after that, a chant of USA broke out. And it was really, it was really um, the type of thing that'll bring a tear to your eye if you're one of those people that loves America and loves patriotic Americana. You know, if you hear a good rendition of the Star Spangled Banner and you get a little teary-eyed, misty-eyed, this would have done it for you because it was beautiful. It was beautiful to see the patrons say, "You know what? America's making a comeback. I want to go to the gym. I deserve to live my life free." Live free or die. Give me liberty or give me death. It's that protection that we have in America of our liberty that allows us to be successful business owners. Yet, the Democrats find a way to get at everything. And it's a shame. It's a shame. But it it reminds me of a story. And on... uh, Let's see, I guess it was Saturday, Sunday maybe. I was in my uh, yard with the family, my brothers, and we hear the Mr. Softy truck. And, you know, and I was like, wow, that was a nice little throwback to when I was a kid. And I thought to myself, wow, there's somebody selling ice cream during coronavirus. How cool. I didn't even want ice cream. I went out there and I was like, I'm going to buy some ice cream. And there was lots of other people there. And guess what? Nobody had to tell them. Everybody stood six feet away from each other. Mr. Softy, who in this situation was Madam Softy, she had a mask on. And she spoke with an accent. And my brother tells her, oh, you speak Spanish. And she says, yeah, I'm from Cuba. And I was like, look at that. Somebody who, you know, obviously she was English was not her first language. So very likely she was born in Cuba and knows exactly what it's like to live under communism. She knows exactly what it's life, like excuse me, to have socialism as a big part of her life. You talk about rationing and the government owning everything. And I say these words and I hear them in my headphones. And I think, I don't know if everybody gets it because I know I don't get it. I was born in Brooklyn and I moved to Jersey. All I know is America. All I know is liberty. But not everybody does. Earlier that same day, a good friend of mine, a retired professor and 
I'm going to dare say bureaucrat from New Jersey, my buddy Roland. He called me and we talked about some political things and, you know, shooting the breeze. And I brought up the idea that, you know, restaurants are being impacted by the shortage of pork. And I had recently spoken with a pork producer, a pork farmer, and he was explaining to me why they have this 72-hour window and how difficult it is when people get ill with coronavirus. You can't immediately replace these people because it's a really high-skilled job. And I was really intrigued by that. So I, we were talking about that, and he tells me, huh. You know, in Cuba, Richard, in Cuba, you, you cannot kill a pig. I said, what do you mean? How do you eat pernini? That's roast pork in Spanish. And he says, well, in, in Cuba, if you kill a cow or a pig, you have just killed property of the state. They belong to Fidel. And I thought, get out of here. When I was little, I remember my brothers telling me that they had visited my, uh, my dad's family's ranch in Puerto Rico in the, in the mountains in, in Caguas. And that they saw, you know, somebody come out, grab a chicken, snap its neck with one hand, and pop it right into a, uh, a pot or a cauldron of boiling water to uh, defeather it. And that's the norm in so many places. And he says, if you kill a chicken in Cuba, Richard, you could have the police knocking at your door. And I was like, man, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that. I don't, I don't know anything about the cops knocking at my door because I killed an animal that's on my farm. Because guess what? You're not allowed to own anything in these places. He also told me that when he left Cuba, there's a, like an exit interview. And the police come to your house and they make sure that you leave with everything that you've got on. And that's it. You can't take your belongings because technically your belongings don't belong to you. So I look at that and I think, wow, Madam Softy, the Cuban woman, she's out there and she's hustling. People are dying to survive when we should be surviving and living and thriving. And that to me is problematic. So that's why when I saw this video of the people gathering at the gym in New Jersey and the cops being decent patriots and saying, hey, have a nice day, I was proud. I was proud to be an American and I saw that liberty is making a comeback. However, there's more to that story. They're coming at the gym owner now. With fines, I believe, of $1,000 a day. And if patrons don't give up their name when they leave for their fines, they're getting ticketed or arrested. But we'll get back to that on the other side of the break. I'm Rich Valdez, in for the great one. Mark Lovin. America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on Twitter. And as promised, we are going to continue the political and cultural fight for America's freedom. And you're going to learn how to do it with Fox and Friends weekend co-host Pete Hegseth. Pete Hegseth, welcome to the program. Rich, thanks for having me. Great to be here. You bet, brother. So you've written this amazing book and we're about to get into it. But you were also there. I'm going to call you a co-conspirator. <laughs> right? You were there and uh, at the actual 
event yesterday in Jersey, in Belmar, where the gym owners said, hey, I'm taking a stand. The patrons took a stand, and you were there with your cameras. Tell me what it was like to be on the ground in Jersey yesterday. Rich, it was a beautiful thing. I mean, it was, it was responsible, uh, constitutional, civil disobedience. And this gym owner, uh, this gym owner, Ian, at Attila's Gym, uh, listen, he didn't get into this because he wants to be political. He just knows his rights. He's a free person in a, who wants to have a business and knows he can open it responsibly. So we went there to cover it because he said he's opening on Monday. Governor Murphy said, no, you're in violation. He said, we're going to open up anyway. And his point is, don't tell me I'm not an essential business because as a private business owner, my job, my business is essential to the people who work there, to the people who go there. He said, I can do it better than the big box stores. So I'm going to sanitize and temperature checks and health questionnaires and limited amount of time and all of the way more protocols. When you put that against Target or Walmart and the big box stores where people are waiting in a you know, mile long football field long line to go through the same register, I mean, this guy gets an A plus for, for public health. And, and so we knew there would be a showdown, and we were there as the crowd gathered outside. They opened the doors at 8. There was, you know, a huge roar. People went in, and the, the cops didn't show up until about 10. We were inside the gym when they showed up. In that sense, I guess we were kind of a co-conspirator. We were <laughs> in the illegitimate gym uh, when the authorities showed up. And in that moment, which we caught on camera, the authorities said, you're in violation of, of Governor Murphy's order. They said it twice. And then they said, be safe, have a good day, and walked away. And everyone roared. And it was a great moment because they stood up and they, st- they stared, stared them down and Governor Murphy blinked, except we stayed there with our camera till about 1220. And then I had another assignment and had to go. Big surprise. Ten minutes later, Fox News Channel leaves and the, and the police show up and issue him a summons mm. uh, that, that he needs to shut down. He continued to stay open. The next day today, they issued another summons and now they've taken it to the next level. And to be clear, this, Rich, this is not law enforcement. They don't want to be doing this. Right. Uh, they, they don't support the, In fact, a lot of the members of the local PD are members of the gym. Like, they, mm. they, this is an institution, this place. But today they've taken to taking the names of people coming out of the gym, the, the police, presumably to build a list of the people they will give a summons to in the future and to threaten and intimidate them. Well, one gym, one gym patron said, I'm not giving you my name, and they arrested him. They cuffed him put him in the car, yeah. and, and they're threatening to do even more of that. Now, Ian, the owner, and Frank, his co-owner, have said they're going to open up again tomorrow. And, and there's no public health reason why Governor Murphy should be doing this because of the protocols they're taking. This is all about power and getting his way, so we'll see where it goes. But it, it's, it's an amazing example of citizens standing up. So many governors like Murphy and other blue state leftists are on a crusade for tyranny. And I think it's so apropos right now that we've got you here that A, you were there as a quote unquote co-conspirator, but B, as the author of the book, American Crusade, Our Fight to Stay Free. So, Pete, uh, I'm looking at, you know, the um, the info that I got and I got the ebook and I appreciate that uh, both you and your publisher. But one of the questions that, that we've got is. Your book starts with a quote from Teddy Roosevelt, and the quote is, if I, if I can read it, it's, yeah. there's not room in the country for any 50-50 American, nor can there be but one loyalty to the stars and stripes. So when did he say that, and why did you start the book that way? I started it that way because what, 
Well, Teddy Roosevelt said that back in, I believe it was 1910. I wrote a book around a speech, centered around a speech he gave 100 years ago as well. And you know, Teddy Roosevelt had his own descent into progressivism. Don't get me wrong. I know all about that. Mm. But he understood the idea of citizenship and allegiance to country. And we're at a moment where we have a president, a crusader-in-chief, who has made it clear where his allegiance is. This is America first. And the election of 2016 was a clarifying moment for a lot of us who thought, okay, this is left versus right. Let's see who wins. Donald Trump shows up. The left's absolute visceral reaction to him exposes their betrayal of this country. And it becomes not a question of left versus right, but do you love America or not? Do you believe in borders or not? Do you believe in citizenship or not? Are you a socialist or a capitalist? Are you a global citizen or American citizen? And so what Teddy Roosevelt saw then is much worse today. What the left does is want to break down the idea of citizenship. We see that with rampant illegality. They want to break, pull out dual allegiances with their identity politics and dividing people into subgroups. Uh, the hyphenation of America is how they look at um, a grouping people, and they, and they reject the idea of individual citizenship. And the idea of putting America first, being 100% American, is investing in the founding constitutional, the, declar- the ideas of the Declaration of Independence. You can't separate these two documents. And if you're 100% American, you get that, and you understand every day is a fight to preserve your liberties. And the 50-50 squish Americans are, you know, oh, you know, I can't, I can't stand the tweets. And, you know, if you could just be a little bit more civil and, you know, can't we just get along and maybe do immigration reform? This idea that we're in the old age of bipartisanship when what the left is today is the enemy of the state of the people. And they, we know that about who they are. And the, the book breaks that down. So to work with them is to enable them. And it uses a lot of examples to talk about that. Man. That that was well said, and I mean, I, I don't think I could have captured that any better. It sounds like a, an excellent read. There's a lot of things I want to get to because I jotted down a few things, and sure. we uh, we want to keep you for another segment if you're available. Oh, of course. Anything for you. Amen. I mean, because I think we should have probably brought you in uh, an hour earlier because this is so on topic. But um, I'm g- I have another question for you about Texas Omar, and maybe you could tease that before we get, we got a minute to go. Of course. So I break down two Omars. You've got uh, my uh, Omar, who is a, a Muslim I met in Iraq who fought against al-Qaeda with us. And so I call him uh, Iraqi Omar. But he moved, we got him to, uh, to Texas, and he became Texas Omar. He's fully invested his country. In- wow. Well, I think that deserves a little bit more time. So everybody keep it locked right there. We got Pete Hegseth on the line, uh, 877-381-3811. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Our phone number, 877-381-3811. And we are continuing our conversation with Pete Hegseth, his new book, American Crusade, Our Fight to Stay Free. Pete, before the break, we were talking about Texas Omar. Tell us that story. Yeah, I contrast in the book the difference between Texas Omar and Somali Omar. And Texas Omar I met in Samara, Iraq, when I was serving there as, an, as a combat infantryman. 
He fought against al-Qaeda with us. He, he saved lives. We fought shoulder to shoulder. He, he and his family eventually applied to come to the United States, and I helped them get here. They moved to Texas, where, you know, Muslims are supposed to be overwhelmingly discriminated against, right, by all those rednecks in Texas? <laughs> uh, of course, the opposite hap- happened. They were greeted with open arms. They love America. They fully assimilated. Their kids love it. They're like, we are 100% Americans. We're leaving the old world behind. We embrace everything that this country has to offer and the American dream. And the book pulls that out. And then I contrast that with Ilhan Omar, who, uh, despite the fact that she's from Somalia, still earns the label Somalia Omar, because effectively her grievances against this country are the exact opposite of the gratitude of someone else who understands how special it is. And when you look at the two Omars, it, it, play, it teases out what 100% Americanism is. It doesn't have to do with you know, race or ethnicity or religion and all of those things. It has to do with buying into the idea of American exceptional and the idea of individual liberty and equal justice uh, and, and personal freedom, which is so fragile. Ilhan Omar rejects that, and yet she's held up as a model for all the reasons I lay out in the book, as a model of what the American left looks like today, and that's a scary preview of what they want the world to look like. Yeah, let me tell you. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I, we've been very critical of Omar. We were critical of AOC, all out crazy, and all of that stuff. And I think it's it's important for people to get a sense of what you're talking about. And something that you write about in the book that I think is really interesting because it gets abused, if you will, is the term nationalism. So tell us a little bit about that and the way, uh, the direction that you've put it in in the book. Yeah, it's a term that I didn't understand before, a term I would have sort of, again, the book is premised a lot around uh, the idea of the conversion that many of us had. My second chapter starts with, hi, my name is Pete Hexeth, and I was almost a never-Trumper. You know, I was for (laughs) Cruz and Rubio and wanted the silver-tongued conservative to take on Obama and quote to Tocqueville and and William F. Buckley. I'm right there with you, brother. Right there, that's where we were. And then Donald Trump crashed the party, the left exposed themselves, when we realized I needed an unpolitically correct media-bashing fighter who can win, right? Mm-hmm. And, he, and then he talked about things like nationalism. And, and, and he talked about it not in a xenophobic way or a racial way. It's, a, it's the simple way that he puts things which is so powerful, which is if you don't have a country, you don't have borders. And that idea clashes with the globalism that's being indoctrinated into the youth of our country right now. They're mm-hmm. being told, and around the world, that you are a global citizen before you are an American citizen. No person can be illegal. And so you open it up to all the bad ideas and the infiltration that you get into this country. And so when he talks about nationalism, it's, 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 yes, it's about the ideas that we have, but it's also about our physical country and the responsibility that governments have to protect tax-paying citizens. And American nationalism is a reflection of the idea and the place. And the left, of course, rejects that because they reject both the idea and the sovereignty of the place. And so I think well, when I talk about American crusade and Americanism, a synonym for that is American nationalism. And Donald Trump has embraced that, made that word great again, because it has nothing to do with racism and xenophobia and everything to do with loving the citizens that live inside your country. Yeah, and I think you, you, you nailed it. Uh, it. It's Americanism, right? And, and you write about yeah. Americanism as well. Yes, I mean, Americanism is the ultimate, uh, the ultimate opposite of leftism. I mean, Americanism is the idea of the manifestation of the, 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 
the pearl, the pearl of individual freedom and equal justice. And you combine that with the idea of citizenship, and that sort of defines what Americanism and capitalism and all the other amazing things that make America special, whereas leftism is the rejection of all of those things. It's, 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 the, it's socialism and the economic front. It's genderism, uh, you know, feminism morphing into genderism. It's globalism and borders that are totally ignored. It's every ism that I break down in that chapter. It's it's, it's secularism. It's the rejection of God. It's environmentalism, the worship of the war on weather. Elitism, I mean, political correctness, the poison of that in every way in which we can speak. It's multiculturalism. It's Islamism. And so leftism is, and that's why I say that the, the goal of the American crusade is the utter defeat and destruction of the American left. Because if you don't do that, you, you don't save, America is quite literally gone because they're antithetical to the founding ideas. Man, I couldn't agree with you uh, 100%. Because well, we, we all just learned from Mark Levin. You know what? <laughs> I mean, You're preaching to the choir here, brother. Amen to that. Now, you, you talk about the American crusade, and I'm sure there's going to be critics that say, why do you use the, uh, the imagery of, of the word crusade to make your point? I talk about that a lot in the book, and I take it head on. And, uh, of course, choosing that title is not meant to be provocative, but it is intentional. And I talk about how it is, the American crusade is a holy war in the righteous cause for human freedom. It's a recognition that our rights are not given to us by government or governors in the case of Mm COVID-19. And this book was written before COVID-19. Our rights are endowed through the Declaration, but given to us by God. I mean, these are rights that cannot be taken away. And so that... In that sense, the American experiment is rooted in faith. It is rooted in, in that tradition of, of Jerusalem and then combined with Athens. And ultimately, you need that in your spirit in order to fight for freedom. Otherwise, you're seduced by the, by, by the myth of big government solving, solving your problems. And the other reason I choose crusade is that this is not like American civics or American election cycle or American think tank. No, this is an action, and a bold action, and an action against enemies, and not just enemies that are fake ones like the left has, like the weather, but like real <laughs> enemies, like the communist Chinese, and Islamism, and leftists. And I'm not talking about drawing a physical sword, but I'm certainly talking about a metaphorical one, and I'm talking about fighting with all you have, and reorienting your life, and looking at what you're doing right now, especially in education, and culture, and other places, and radically reorienting it, if you truly believe that this republic is worth saving. And I, Trump has shown the way. It's our job to build on what he's done and, and, and help finish that fight. Amen, brother. Uh, I can't wait to get my own copy of the book because uh, <laughs> this is really exciting stuff. But the last thing I want to I go over with you is one of my favorite quotes. And uh, we started the third hour of the show today with that Reagan quote. And uh, you use it in the book. And it's, you know, if fascism, excuse me, if fascism ever comes to America, it'll come in the name of liberalism. Uh, tell me your thoughts on that, whether it's, it's true, has it happened, has that been fulfilled? Well, of course, the biggest lie that we're told right now, you know, Antifa and things like that, is that fascism is a right-wing ideology. Of course, fascism, fascism is a manifestation of, of national socialism and leftism that collectivizes people as an idea. So mm-hmm. first you have to start there. But, and that's what Reagan understood. See, he was, but he, didn't, he hadn't yet necessarily dealt with these modern-day leftists that we have today. He was dealing with Democrats who still had a streak of patriotism inside them, but he understood that if that was co-opted and captured, 
that in, that effectively it's not going to be um, conservatives with the understanding of foundational principles and individual liberty that are going to attempt to impose sweeping um, government mandates on people and control speech, right? So we see the controlling of speech and political correctness and all the ways the elites try to confine us. That's a, that, that is a left-wing manifestation. It's anti-freedom. And so he, he knew that. We're starting to see that today. Um, and and it's, it's, it's scary. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to turn around and call anyone fascist. I think that's usually a cheap way that people enter an argument. It's just a recognition that leftism ultimately manifests in here's what's acceptable to say and here's what's not acceptable. And we're going to tell you, we're going to try to find ways to control you through that prism formally and informally. And that's happening right now. It's happening across and without Trump's Twitter feed, his Twitter sword, you might say, <laughs> right. um, he has not open, we wouldn't have the door open to fight ourselves. Yeah, the, Twitter is the new pen, and the pen is mightier than the sword. Yes. Uh, folks, this is Pete Hegseth. He's the author of American Crusade, Our Fight to Stay Free. Uh, you guys know Pete from Fox and Friends Weekend. He's a co-host there. He's a senior political analyst at Fox. You see him all the time. But what you may not know, and you know, those of you that follow know, that he spent 12 years in the Army doing tours in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Guantanamo Bay and earned two bronze stars. So congrats to you. We thank you for your service, Pete. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. So and many have done so much more, but it certainly does inform my passion for, for facing up the threats we have today. I want to encourage everybody listening, obviously, to go to Amazon.com and get a copy of your book, American Crusade, Our Fight to Stay Free by Pete Hegseth. And, and thank you, Pete. You, Amazon's sold out right now, so you might have to go to Barnes & Noble. Or oh, Books nice. Anywhere books are sold, you can get it. But Amazon's a little tied up right now. That's a good thing, I guess. That's a great thing. Well, amen. God bless you, Pete. Uh, again, go to BarnesandNoble.com. I put a link to it on my Twitter, but I guess that's sold out, so we'll try and tweet <laughs> out another link to make sure you guys can pre-order the book. Pete, you're a patriot, and we thank you for everything you're doing. God bless you. Likewise to you guys. Thank you. Honored to be here. All right, folks, and when we come back, we're going to hear these outtakes from AOC and her all-out crazy debate last night. I'm Rich Valdez, in for the great one. Mark Levin. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on Twitter and all the other social media as well. Our phone number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. And everybody that loves The Mark Levin Show has an opportunity to listen to it again on The Mark Levin Show podcast. You can get that wherever fine podcasts are available. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Make sure you download and subscribe. You got to check the little thing to, you know, click yes, I want to receive updates and new episodes of the Mark Levin Show podcast. And while you're at it, do the same for me. <laughs> That's This is America with Rich Valdez, and it's available everywhere. You can go to richvaldez.com and find out about that. But we've been talking about liberty making a comeback, we've been talking about FDR styled policies, police state tactics, strong arm tactics. On the citizens. And, you know, I'm, I, I check my, my phone during the breaks. I see different things. And I've gotten a few comments on Facebook and Twitter and some other stuff. Uh, and it, it's interesting. We're talking about all these things. But 
people ask me questions. <laughs> so one of the questions that I get is, am I running against AOC for Congress? And the answer to that is that while some of you know I live in Jersey but was born in New York and live probably less than 10 miles away from that district, I've considered that. But I had an interesting run-in with AOC, you know, this past summer. And we were marching in the Puerto Rican Day Parade and I went to go talk to her because I wanted to have a debate with her, a conversation about ideas. And whether it was political or not, I I just wanted to have this conversation. And – She kind of uh, rolled her eyes at me and literally ran to the other side of Fifth Avenue. So she bolted and I wasn't able to have a conversation. And then she tweeted bad things about me and dropped the F-bomb. Then the newspapers found out about it. It's all over Twitter if you want to see it. But the point is, people ask me, am I running against AOC? And I I, I tried to say hello. She ran. I don't know how that's going to be if we ever did run against each other. But I will say that... I'm going to stick to my guns and say exactly what I told Aaron Durkin from Politico on August 8th of 2019, which is, and this is a quote, there's an absence of a Republican candidate in the race. And now that the field is full, I may consider backing one of the other contenders. I have no interest in running against anyone but her. She has been one disaster after another. So that was my comment to Politico then, and it's still my comment now. But speaking of AOC, and I brought that up because she had a debate last night, and she has some Democrat challengers. And I find it interesting that she's still singing the same old song. But I want you to hear for yourself. Check this out. Listen to AOC. Even as many of these states try to go back against the advice, try to reopen against the advice of public health experts and others, one of the things that we need to understand is that even if we snapped our fingers and reopened tomorrow, there are still going to be millions of jobs that will not immediately come back. And so what we need to do is make sure that we return to New Deal era style policies where we have huge investments, direct investments in jobs, not crony tax breaks, not corrupt deals for real estate developers and Wall Street CEOs, but direct investments that spur small businesses immediately and making sure that we invest in infrastructure projects, rebuilding our schools, cleaning our air, Well, I agree that we need to invest in small business. That might be the one area that I agree with AOC all out crazy. My favorite congressperson from the 14th District of New York, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I disagree with just about everything else, but I agree that we need to support small businesses. I believe that bars and restaurants and barbershops need to get back to where they are. I believe that hairdressers and barbers need to rally together to continue doing it. Gym owners, restaurant owners, we need to continue to fight for this liberty that's making a comeback. So with that, I want to leave you with a couple of words from the 77-year-old barber, Mr. Menke. Check this out. I'm an adult. I can make my own decisions here. I've got all the, the, the things that I need. I've got the, you know, the hand sanitizers. I've got the sterilizers. I've got the mask. Uh, I've got the distancing. You know what I'm thinking? She's not my mother, you know, and even my mother, I would probably fight her on some of this stuff. But 
uh, I just made an adult decision that I was going to open up. God bless him. No, Governor Whitner, uh, Whitman, Whitner, whatever. Governor whatever is not his mother, and the government is not your daddy. We need to stand up to these tyrants. I love what I'm reading in the Seattle Times. Barbers are offering to give free haircuts to protest the Michigan lockdown. They're supporting her. Then we've got the Dallas salon owner. Remember her, Shelly Luther? She's a hero. Find her and donate to her. She drove all the way or flew, whatever she did. She went and joined Mr. Menke. Listen, it's been my pleasure to be here with you guys, standing up for liberty, standing up for what's right, urging each and every one of you, Jake, Brent, David, Jim, everybody that's holding on, I appreciate everything that you've had to say tonight. And I want to say that Liberty's important. Life is equally as important. And with life being important, I want to say that we heartfelt offer our sympathies to Barney, Mark Levin's dog. He was a member of the family, and that's never easy. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on Twitter. God bless you, America. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.